listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and I am thrilled that you are joining me today. I am really excited because today is a milestone episode for the podcast Advertising Playbook. It is episode 100, which I cannot believe and I am very excited about. Now, as an avid podcast listener, I will say that I do find that milestone episodes really are more about the host and less about the audience, I think, because as a listener, I'm really interested in great content. And truthfully, oftentimes, I don't necessarily care if it's episode 20 or 100 or 1000. I'm just really interested in what you're creating and whether or not I feel like it's going to touch me in some way, fill in that spot that I'm looking to fill when I'm listening to the episode. So I know that as a listener, you probably aren't nearly as excited about episode 100 as I am being the host of the show, but nonetheless, pretty stoked that we are at episode 100. So for today's episode, I thought it would be great for me to do a solo show and share with you some trends that I see happening in the space. So I have six different trends that I want to talk about today. And the first trend that I want to talk about is programmatic slash dynamic ad insertion. Now, I know that if you listen to the show pretty regularly that you hear me talking about this all the time but I can't not mention it when I'm talking about trends in the industry because it is so important to what is happening right now. So just setting the stage for what exactly programmatic and dynamically inserted ads are, just in case you're a first time listener and you haven't heard, dynamically inserted ads are ads that are digitally inserted into podcast episodes using software and technology to get the ads in there as opposed to stitching them in physically when you're creating your audio in that episode. And then of course we have to have that dynamic ad insertion technology in order to tap into programmatic, which in most cases are those announcer read ads that are inserted into podcasts with less specific targeting of specific shows and more targeting of audiences. So when we think about trends and when we think about where the industry is heading, Number one, we definitely are seeing an increase in the use of dynamic ad insertion technology, which is terrific for many reasons. The first reason that it's so important is because it allows us to monetize all of the impressions that we want to monetize within the space. So that's the first piece. And then when we think about programmatic, I do see that we are increasing in programmatic. And the reason that I say that I see an increase is because a lot of the direct response agencies that we've been working with are now starting to talk about programmatic. I even have an agency that we're working with to actually initiate a programmatic campaign, which is very different than where we were last year. And of course, very different than where we were three or four years ago. So the fact that we have more companies considering programmatic advertising is really an important piece in terms of a trend. Now, of course, I do believe that host red ads are still very valuable and really I I see them as becoming even more valuable as programmatic ads increase because we want that host read ad 
And we want that ability to influence the audience with that host voice. And really that should be more expensive. The advertiser should pay more for that than an announcer read ad. So the more announcer read ads we have, the better opportunity we'll have to really price those host read ads at a premium. When everything looks the same, it's difficult to create kind of differentiations. And so that's why I think that having programmatic is important. The other thing that I think is so important about programmatic ads is that there is no way that we can fill 100% of impressions when we are physically planning or a human is planning a campaign because we don't know how many impressions are actually gonna happen. When we put programmatic in there, we have this capability of monetizing more impressions because the computer says, is this spot taken? Yes, no, I'm gonna plug something in. If that spot is open, the computer can plug something in. Whereas from a manual perspective, we are guessing about how many impressions we think that we can deliver and, and estimating that number. And there's always gonna be flex. Maybe we're not gonna have as many impressions as we thought because not as many people listened, or maybe we'll have way more impressions than we thought because way more people listened. So making sure that we have that programmatic piece is really important. It's all, all based on the ability to do dynamic ad insertion. So that's the first important trend that will continue to grow is that dynamic insertion piece and then programmatic layered on top of that. So that is trend number one. Secondly, certainly not new, but consolidation. We haven't seen as much consolidation happen this year in 2022 as I would say in prior years. Certainly the slowing of the economy I think is probably playing into that. What I think is really interesting about consolidation though is I do feel like we're having more kind of stakes in the ground happening. And what I mean by that is there had been a lot of consolidation that happened in prior years by some fairly large companies. And now those companies are saying, okay, we've invested in this space and now we're really gonna dive in. It's been my observation that when a large company acquires a smaller company, what tends to happen, at least from, you know, again, my perspective and what I've witnessed happening is that smaller company almost goes into a holding pattern. So any development, any new initiatives they were creating, everything goes on pause, right? And it seems like it takes about a year for that smaller company company to really get absorbed into the larger acquiring company in order to then kind of move the ship forward. And I think that we've had enough large consolidations that have happened and the time that those consolidations have taken place is really matured to a place where I think now we're starting to see these acquisitions actually kind of be more cemented and potentially be creating a bigger impact within the industry than they had at the time of the acquisition, right? Because that company had to get absorbed and then new strategies have to take place. So I do think that what is happening around consolidation is that these bigger companies are now really impacting the industry in certain ways. And of course, a lot of that is around Spotify. And I know I talked about this a bit in my podcast movement recap, but really what is Spotify doing? How are they integrating into the industry? How are they not integrating into the industry? Um, and, and really just what it, it means as a whole to have so much consolidation and to have so many 
big companies in the space. And, you know, in terms of looking at trends, how is that going to be impacting our ability as an industry to continue to be nimble and to continue to innovate and create? Of course, we still see a lot of new companies starting. I'm always so surprised. I was on a podcast interview yesterday and the interview was using software that I had not heard of that was specifically created for podcasts that's competing with, you know, companies like Riverside and Squadcast. And, you know, we're still going to just, I think, continue to see more and more of, of these tech companies sprouting up and then providing information and platforms for us. And then those inevitably do tend to get purchased by bigger companies. So consolidation, I think, certainly has been a trend and will continue to be a trend. And then really, how is that consolidation affecting or impacting the industry, I think is really important for us to keep in mind. Next, I wanted to talk a little bit about content development. I think that content development this year, and I think in in terms of kind of what to watch out for, is the way that content creators are approaching podcasts. It seems to me like because we have more listeners, because we have more attention, because the industry is, you know, perhaps maturing, that the content is also maturing with the industry development. And what I mean by that is that there is a different approach to putting a show together. It seems like oftentimes in the past, people would essentially say, I'm just gonna put it together, right? I'm just gonna throw a show together. I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna see if this is really gonna stick or how it's gonna stick. It seems to me like there is a lot of intentionality that is being put toward creating content. Not that there hasn't always been, but I just have noticed a higher level of intentionality around content development. And then of course there is so much hope for many shows that they are going to be able to transition from podcasting into perhaps TV or a movie or something that is more substantial, not more substantial because podcasts are amazing, but something that is different than a podcast. So I think that that certainly is something that I have seen. And I also think that we have to realize that with changes or developments in content, that it also changes the audience's reaction to podcasts. There have been so many new shows, right? We have so many more shows to listen to now. I mean, gosh, you know, when I got into listening to podcasts, there were far more podcasts than I could ever listen to. But it still felt a little bit manageable. <laughs> like you could still pick the genre that you liked and kind of listen to all the top shows within the genre. And now it just feels like there are just so many shows that you could never, like you could never even attempt to listen to all of the top shows within the genre that you like. And so I think that all of that, because there's so many great shows being created and because so many people are, in invest, are investing in the different types of shows that are being created, and because there are so many, in a lot of ways, it's giving audiences so many more choices, which of course is great because we all love choices, especially in America. <laughs> but it also maybe contributes to a little bit of overwhelm and overload. So I think that that 
is going to be interesting as we continue to look at content. But I also think what I wanted to make sure that we talked about around content was also the type of content that is created dictates the way people consume that content too, which we all know, right? Like if you have a daily show that's a short daily news show, that content is going to be consumed very differently than maybe a short series will be consumed versus something that's maybe an ongoing advice show or, or an ongoing comedy show. But the, I think the different layers of content and the quantity, all of those things coupled together, I think are really perhaps changing the landscape of the industry a bit. And that is certainly also very much impacted by the video element that is certainly seeping its way into the podcasting space. So, you know, all of that kind of coupled together, I really think that we're going to see some continuing changes when it comes to the way that we're approaching content. And that gets me to point number four, which is I do believe it is harder well, it's always been hard, but it is harder than it has been to grow an audience. And I say that because I have podcasters that I work with that have very successful shows that they've had for many years. And they're like, I'm going to start a new show and it's going to be great. And they start a new show and it doesn't get near the listeners. Now I have other hosts that create new shows and they do get listeners and it could be that they have really created a good mechanism to get the listeners that they need but audience growth is a really super important piece of successful podcasting that doesn't mean that you're not a successful podcaster if you don't have thousands of downloads or thousands of listeners when you're creating content very much like the content i'm creating this very moment if it's very very niche or content that is targeting a very specific audience, it, you don't have to have thousands of people. I don't expect that there are thousands of people out there who want to learn about podcast advertising or the podcast industry. I, I think I would be really lucky if there were a thousand people out there who wanted to listen to a show like this. So it's not saying that you have to have thousands of listeners in order to really create a great show or to create great content. But it is harder to build some of those just baseline shows, right? If you're trying to create a true crime show or you're trying to create a mom show or a business show or a history show or a tech show or a comedy show, you know, any of those things, they're just, it's just harder to build an audience today than it had been. And that goes back, I think, to the quantity, right? That the more podcasts we get, the harder it will be to build an audience just because there's more choices. And so the hope is obviously that the number of podcast listeners will increase at, you know, a fairly similar rate to the number of podcasts that are being created. But yeah, I think all of that is really interesting to consider. And so growing an audience has always been something that has needed to be focused on. But I would say that as, as this year has progressed and as upcoming years progress, I think that really trying to solve almost that equation of how to build an audience is going to become more and more, more and more important and maybe more challenging. The next point that I have in terms of things that I'm seeing are decreasing CPMs. Now, 
During the pandemic in 2020, I think that that was really the first time that I had seen CPMs change in any measurable way. So I started my company in 2016, and I would say that the CPMs had held pretty steady. Oftentimes, I, I was charging about a $30 CPM, and oftentimes I question whether it shouldn't be more like a $40 CPM because I would see others selling at a higher level, and I'm like, gosh, maybe it should be at a higher rate. And in April of 2020, we had mass cancellations. Everyone was concerned about what was going to happen during the pandemic. So many, many advertisers canceled their campaigns and or they put them on hold. And then what I noticed was when they started coming back, which was kind of, I would say, toward the end of May, beginning of June, they were like, we're going to come back, but we can't pay that $30 CPM. Now we want a $25 CPM or we can't pay the 25. Now we want a 20. There was just more, I would say, negotiation that went into CPMs specifically. So in 2020 is when I first saw a change in CPMs. And I, like I said, I really hadn't seen that before. And since 2020, you know, it really has been pretty steady. I've mentioned on this show before, AdvertiseCast publishes their CPMs, and I'm not sure how long they've been doing that. Over a year though, you can see some trends in, in their CPMs as well. One of the things I always like to point out about the published CPMs that they report is the downside of them reporting that is that it doesn't show us or tell us what that CPM is for. So it doesn't tell us if that is for embedded ad reads or for if it's for dynamically inserted ad reads or even programmatic, right? Like we have no idea. We just know their marketplace is reporting this CPM. So it's hard to really put too terribly much weight in that if we don't know for sure what those CPMs are, rep are representing. So I think that that's an important thing to think about. But even with advertised cast quotes, I know that they've seen a bit of softening, you know, not a ton. But I would say, especially since there's been talk of recession and there's been talk of all of the downturns in the economy, um, that, you know, CPMs are being critiqued more closely right now than I would say maybe they ever have, to be honest, even when people came back from the pandemic. The other thing that I think is important to consider around CPMs as well is that part of the reason that we maybe see a softening in some CPMs, especially at True Native Media, is because we are moving so much into that dynamic space. With dynamic ad insertion, it is reasonable to expect that we're not going to get the same CPMs as we are with embedded ad reads. The reason that embedded ad reads are what they are and have the value that they have is because they've got a really strong long tail, right? People are gonna continue to listen to that ad even after it has been bought and paid for long ago. And so it is reasonable to imagine you're gonna have a higher CPM for embedded ad reads than you would for dynamic ads because dynamic ads have a specific time frame. Once an impression is delivered, that impression is delivered and it's it's done. So I, I do understand that, but I do feel like industry-wide, we are certainly seeing some softening in CPMs. And, you know, all of our agency relationships have brought up pricing with us in the last month. And I do think that, like I said, that that has to do with a couple of different things, which is 
you know, the economy and with dynamic ad insertion, but certainly something to note and something also to be aware of and keep track of, which we do obviously a lot. So, <laughs> and then the last, the sixth trend that I see happening in this space has to do with oversight and standardization. I have these conversations on a regular basis. I presume I will continue to have them, but really it's around trying to come together as an industry. And because we are a, an industry that is made up of essentially open source, individual people creating content, it is difficult to take a hundred companies and say, okay, guys, we're all going to do the same thing. So I think that that standardization is, is going to continue to be difficult, but I would say that there has been so much talk about, should we get together a better industry association? Should we try to meet together as a team? I know that the, the team over at Sounds Profitable is working on this. I know that I've been contacted by the IAB and they're continuing to work on that. And then just individual conversations around what is happening and potential like podcast 2.0 and, you know, just different, um, different conversations and different thoughts about how are we working together as an industry to support one another, but also coming up with more standardization so that when advertisers are coming into this space that they are able to say, oh, this company used these words and that meant this, and this company uses the same words and they mean the same thing. Because I know that that is a challenge that, that people have right now is that every, every company is slightly different. The things that they say and do are slightly different. So having some sort of standardization across the industry and being able to work together, I think is really a very important step to take. So those are some of the trends that I am seeing in the industry. I hope that they were insightful for you. Of course, we are gonna continue to see growth in the industry, even with a softening economy. I do believe that podcasts are still headed in the right direction. I know at True Native Media that we are headed in the right direction, which is always a great thing. So I appreciate you listening to this episode. And again, episode 100, pretty exciting. If you're interested in learning more about podcast advertising, please head on over to our website. You can download our podcast advertising guide and learn all that there is to know about podcast advertising. Thanks so much. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Podcast to Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast to advertising industry. 